What's up, everybody? This is Alyssa, the host of The Rubber Match, and you are listening to episode three of the Rubber Match podcast. I have not posted an episode of The Rubber Match in two weeks, so as an apology and as an early holiday gift, I've just decided to put out two podcasts at the same time. I recorded episode two the night before, so I'm going to be recording this episode. Episode two, if you haven't listened to that already, you need to go and listen to episode two because at the end, towards the end of the podcast, what is it towards the end? In the middle, going towards the end of the podcast, I started a series where I was talking about high school baseball players who decided to go to the major leagues, but at one time were committed to a college. So I talked about Mike Trout being committed to Eastern Carolina University. I talked about Mookie Betts being committed to the University of Tennessee. And now we're just going to keep going with with some more Major League Baseball players who in high school were committed to colleges and who decided to sign for money and go play in the MLB. Well, go to the minors and then play in the MLB. I decided to do this do this series because it was very interesting to me. I found all of these guys on College Baseball Hub. That's an Instagram page. So if that's one of my favorite college baseball pages. So if you like college baseball, they always have the most up-to-date information. They're very committed to really teaching this younger generation of college baseball fans like myself about college baseball players and certain schools. They believe that, you know, as a high school baseball player, you don't have to go to a D1 school in order to be a successful college baseball player. You could go D2, you could go D3, you could go NAIA, and you could go into Juco Ball and then transfer to any one of those colleges in any of those divisions. So they're really committed to giving kids an opportunity and showing them other schools basically that they could go to that it doesn't have to be Florida State or Vanderbilt or UCLA or Clemson because you know every school can really give you know a high school kid you know what they need and you know it just doesn't have to be D1 Power 5 basically is what I'm trying to say but I'm rambling on and on and on but basically if you like college baseball I recommend following College Baseball Hub I think they're number one they are number one. They are the best. They've been at it for several years now. And I started following them about two years ago. And I absolutely love what they do. They're actually having um, an annual uniform tournament bracket that they do. And they choose the best uniforms from all the teams that participated in the previous season NCAA tournament now because in 2020 there wasn't a tournament um, they're letting just people pick whichever program that they want to pick and they're going to be doing that really really soon I love participating in that every year so if you want to participate you know make sure to go and visit their page and go to their story and just vote or you know if you follow them you can get it right on your feed and you can go to their story and you can vote 
um, that'll start, I think in a couple of weeks, it always starts around Christmas time. So that's, I love it. It's very interesting. It's really fun. And I love looking at the uniforms because y'all know me, I'm a big fan of style. So anyway, that's all I have to say about College Baseball Hub. But like I said, all the guys that I got um, on my list and on my list is from College Baseball Hub. And that's, you know, I did my research from there. So yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into the pickoff because there are a couple of things that I want to talk about. Just a couple of things. It's not going to take too long. I'm going to try not to make it more than five minutes, but we are going to talk about a little bit of things for the pickoff. So I was scrolling through my MLB news, and I saw that George Springer had an initial offer from the Blue Jays. And as you guys know, if you are in the baseball world, or if you're not in the baseball world, the Blue Jays, um, they play in Toronto, and they have a really promising future with Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Calvin Biggio. Those are all players who their fathers played in the MLB. Um, they signed a dude named Randall Gritchett to a multi-year deal, and he's been producing for them. They have this young pitching prospect in Nate Pearson. They just signed um, Ryu, which was a former pitcher for the Dodgers. He came over to Toronto, and he signed a multi-year deal with them. So the Blue Jays have a really promising career ahead of them, and they have been really vocal about trying to get one of the top Free agents, so like Trevor Bauer or George Springer or DJ LeMayhew, they've really been trying to push for one of those four people, and they have apparently pushed to try to get George Springer. And I think George Springer would be a great addition to the team. He would be a great outfielder for them. And, you know, I think with the addition of George Springer, I think the Blue Jays will be a legitimate contender in the playoffs. Um, In 2020, you know, they faced my Rays, and it just wasn't enough. I think, for me, I think they were were a more well-rounded team. I think the Rays are really pitching heavy, and I don't think they pay as much attention to the offense, which they need to start doing if they want to continue on the high that they've been on for the past couple of years, 2019 and 2020. But I think with the addition of George Springer and maybe one more arm, I think the Blue Jays could be legitimate contenders for the AL East pennant and, you know, possibly earn a playoff spot in 2021, just like they did last year. So just something to think about, something just to think about. I was going to talk about this in the last episode, but then I forgot. But as you guys know, there's a player for the Mets, Robinson Cano, who was suspended for the second time, I heard, the second time, for using performance-enhancing drugs. He's 38 years old. He has been suspended from the MLB for an entire year, and he's been forced to forfeit over $24 million. It's a huge story because, you know, it's a lot of money, and he's a second-time offender. Now, the fact that this idiot had the great idea to do it again, I think for me, it's just, I I think it's stupid. Now, 
you know, it's really hard, I think, for people who have used steroids to, like, get into the Hall of Fame. Like, even if you've done it once, like, you know, Alex Rodriguez, you know, like, it's not going to be easy for him to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't even know if he's still on the ballot anymore, but, or if he can get on the ballot, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, when you use um, steroids like Barry Bonds or like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, like even when you do it like once and you get caught once, it's really hard to get into the Hall of Fame. But the fact that Robinson Cano did it twice, like he's definitely not getting in at this point. I think he's a, I mean, I think he's a great player, but it's just one of those things. It's like you are using steroids and, you know, my thing is if you use steroids, you know, PEDs, you know, you're cheating and, you know, you don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and you deserve to get suspended. Um, I heard Wendy Williams talk about it because you're like, when does Wendy Williams ever talk about baseball? Well, <laughs> it came across, again, if you guys don't know who Wendy Williams is, like, just look her up. Wendy Williams, um, daytime talk show host, so, you know. But she was talking about it, and she goes, oh, you know, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him have to forfeit all that money. And my thing about it is, like, obviously, you know, I would get on his ass. It was stupid of him to do so. But the guy's, like, $24 million is a lot of money. I'm not going to sit up here and say that it's not a lot of money. But, like, the dude, I mean, he has a lot of money. Like, he's set for life regardless. The Mets the Mets still have to pay him for, like, the next few years. You know what I'm saying? So, to be honest, he's set for life. You know, if, I mean, he has th- that bad mark on his record for the rest of his career, for the rest of his life, you know, for using it twice. But at the end of the day, the dude's set for life. So, whatever people are saying about him or anything, it's like, okay, like, I'm still a millionaire, so... You know, we're going to say about that, whatever. But anyway, that's all I have to talk about for the pickoff. I don't think there's anything really new that's been going on. I mean, you hear about 2021 free agents like Carlos Correa or Chris Bryant that could be traded during the winter, which it's seeming more and more likely. Now, you know, if Chris Bryant ends up not getting traded or Carlos Correa ends up not getting traded, in the um, 2020 offseason, like, you know, it's whatever. But, I mean, if they do get traded, it's going to be like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? But um, I think it's going to be kind of weird not seeing Chris Bryant in, like, that Cubs infield and definitely Carlos Correa not in an Astros uniform. I'm really concerned about, like, how this man will adapt to, like, any other team. Because here's the thing about it. You know, you get Michael Brantley and George Springer. Because let me tell you something about these. Michael Brantley and George Springer will will have a way better time making friends with their potential new teammates when they get traded. They will have a way better time because these two people did not run their freaking mouths. They didn't lie. They just kept their mouth fucking shut and they didn't say a thing. But Carlos Correa told Chris Bryant to shut the fuck up in an interview, alienated the entire MLB world because 
first of all, you were the one that cheated and Chris Bryant literally doesn't do shit. So <laughs> how do you call out somebody who's genuinely upset because the Astros cheated in 2017? Like, you're 100% in the wrong. He's going to have the worst time making friends with anybody if he is traded to another team because he just alienated so many people because he was just not honest at the forefront like you know what I'm saying and you know you want to defend your team and everything like that but I just think he alienated a lot of people and because there weren't fans in 2020 to really boo the Astros like people are still really just uptight and I'm telling you in 2021 there will be people who will be holding that grudge against the Astros And when they allow fans, if any, even if it's limited, back into the stadium, the Astros are going to be hearing it forever. And even if Carlos Correa gets traded and he's on another team, he will get booed every time he steps up to the plate, probably by his own fans of his new team. So it's not like it's not going to go away anytime soon because it will definitely keep continuing and going on and all that stuff but anyway that's the end of the pickoff let's talk about these MLB players who skipped college and decided to sign and let's talk about the colleges that they could have went to now if you know me I love college baseball players I like college baseball players more that played in college and they went to the MLB I don't have anything against guys that skipped college to go play major league baseball however I just have a soft spot for the guys that went to college got an education and then decided to well got a little bit of an education because we know how athletes are in college unless you they don't really not all athletes I mean there are a couple that actually learned stuff but When we're thinking about, let's say, like, the football team or the basketball team or the baseball team, so, like, predominantly male sports, um, I mean, are they really learning anything in college? Like, no, they just trying to make it big. But anyway, let's get into it. So, like I said, talked about Mike Trout, talked about Mookie Betts, and now we are going to talk about Francisco Lindor. I learned this about a couple years ago. And I learned that Lindor went to high school in Florida. He's Puerto Rican, but he went to Florida, the U.S., to play high school baseball. And this lovely, lovely child committed to my favorite team, the Florida State Seminoles. But, however, in 2011... Lindor was drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Indians and he signed for almost three million fucking dollars. As you guys know, Lindor is the best shortstop in the MLB. If you don't know your baseball, if you're learning about baseball, learn about Francisco Lindor. He is an amazing shortstop. He's young. He's very agile. I mean, he does things when it comes to shortstop that... It's very few people can um, copy and mimic and imitate. So if you guys don't know baseball, the first player you should definitely look up is Lindor. And not even that, 
on top of that, he just has a great personality. He's unproblematic. Which, that's a trend in baseball players, but, like, with Lindor, he's especially non-problematic. Like, he just doesn't do anything to make people upset. He's one of the unproblematic shortstops of the league. But basically, you know, he is just a really chill person. Um, He always has his has his hair dyed some really fun, cool color. He just looks like he really enjoys the game, and he's also incredibly attractive. And um, basically, that's just the end of it. Basically, you know, it's a Lindor, you know. Handsome. Handsome black man, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, as much as I love Francisco Lindor, and I love him, I will never be a Lindor stan, If there is an MLB player that she would stand, it would definitely be Lindor, like I said, because he's unproblematic. However, this dude, this freaking dude committed to my favorite baseball team, period. And he didn't play for us. Like, it just hurts. Like, it hurts knowing that we could have had the best shortstop in the MOB, playing in Tallahassee, Florida, like a celebrity. He would have been an instant celebrity in Tallahassee, like as big as Jameis Winston, huge. He would have been huge, okay? He would have been huge. Like, we needed him. Like, I don't know what else to say. I don't think Jameis Winston and Lindor would have played with each other, though, because... Actually, no, they probably would have played with each other, but Lindor would have been a junior and Jameis Winston would have been a freshman on the baseball team. But anyway, because y'all know Jameis Winston also played baseball at Florida State and he also started a fight with um, Gator. Okay, we're (laughs) diverting from the point. We are diverting from the point. But basically, that's why I will never be a Lindor stan because he just did not play for us. And I just feel some type of way about that. Like, I feel some type of way about that. You know, I feel like Lindor would have been, like, the number one pick in the MLB draft had he went to college. But, like, being number, I think he was number six or number eight and signing for almost $3 million. To be honest, I would probably take that deal, too. So, I can't give him too much slack for it. So, I might become a Lindor stand at one point. But I think just that gap, you know, like that you know, I'm so close to it, but I just, I can't because Lindor, <laughs> Lindor was committed to Florida State. Oh, I can just, I can almost imagine how Mike Martin, but I feel like Mike Martin, Mar- uh, uh, y'all know, the co- the FSU baseball coach at the time, because he actually retired in 2019, but I'm pretty sure Mike Martin knew what was coming. Like, he knew that if Lindor got drafted, in the first round, and, like, top 10 and everything like that. No matter what, if Lindor got drafted, he probably would have went to the minors. I would have to. I would love to ask Lindor about that. As I want to ask Cody Bellinger why the hell he chose Oregon over Oregon State. Like, I have to know that. And then also, I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to ask Lindor, like, what it was like. Mike Martin like trying to recruit him like I have to I if there's an interview if I ever interview an MLB player it will never be about the freaking majors 
I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it will not be about that. It'll literally be about college. Like, also, if you're not asked, like, Justin Verlander, like, how was it like in Old Dominion? He's like, like, Alyssa, it's been, like, 15 years. Like, I don't remember. Like, that's basically what I would totally do. I would totally ask, just ask them about, like, college and everything like that. But anyway, um, the Seminoles have always been one of the best baseball programs but they've also been the baseball program that has choked the most guys for forewarning if we're talking about L- uh, not LSU if we're talking about FSU this team is notorious for going to the college world series going to Omaha 24 times and never winning a championship the Florida State Seminoles have never won a championship In baseball, it's never happened. If we're arguing which program at FSU is the best, the most accomplished, the most consistent, it's most definitely Florida State football because football has actually won three championships. As much as Florida State football has choked many times, they just lost to like the... The Hurricanes, I heard like in the 90s kind of, maybe late 80s, early 90s. I'm not an FSU football fan, so please, please, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure like they've lost a couple big games where like if they won, they probably could have gone to like the championship. But with Florida State, it's like the same thing, but they never just got over the hump. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how to say it, but they just never got over the hump. So, the Seminoles, in the years that Lindor would have played, which is 2012 to 2014, they went 50-17 and 17 in 2012. They lost in the College World Series to the eventual champions, Arizona. And let me tell y'all, that is not the only time the Florida State Seminoles have lost to the Arizona Wildcats, and the Arizona Wildcats have gone on to win the College World Series. That's not the last time that's happened. I think that happened in 1980. Well, I say I think I know it happened in 1986 because I did research. But in 2013, which is, um, this will be an also a trend, and, um, FSU baseball too where they go and they choke in their own regional that they're hosting like this is a trend it's a trend so they got embarrassed and and were swept at home against Indiana they lost their last game of the season against Indiana now if you guys know back in 2018 the Florida State Seminoles were also swept out of their own regional by the Mississippi State Bulldogs, which eventually went to the College World Series semifinals. And that was embarrassing in itself. Um, Very embarrassing (laughs) in itself. And this one was a lot more embarrassing because I'm pretty sure Indiana did not get very far after that. Ridiculous. At least Mississippi State went to the semifinals and, you know, Oregon State beat them dramatically to go to the um, finals against Arkansas, but that was just not, (laughs) okay. And guys, (laughs) oh, hold on. In 20, 
13, they actually went 47 and 17, but in 20, no, in 2013, yeah. And then in 2014, they went 43 and 17. And for the second year in a row, they were swept out of their own regional by the one and only Alabama Roll Tide. Yes, you heard that right. The Alabama baseball team delivered the final blow in the Seminoles baseball season in 2014. If that is not the most embarrassing shit I've ever heard, if you guys, you know, are general sports fans, but you don't know anything about college baseball, I'll sit here and say that Alabama has not necessarily sucked throughout college baseball, but they're definitely mediocre. And if they're not mediocre, they're worse than mediocre. And definitely during this time, they were not the hottest team in baseball. So to lose to that team was pretty fucking embarrassing. Now, 2020 has shown some promise. I'm really excited about their 2021 team. But honest to God, like, Losing the fucking Alabama and getting swept out of your own regional. Like, you know how embarrassing it is to get swept out of your own regional and then watch other teams play in your freaking stadium? That's just embarrassing. And the fact that Florida State had that happen to them two years in a row, it's just just embarrassing. And you know what? And if I... No, it's just, it's not. And that is a trend that you will see time and time again with this Florida State team because it's just, they can't do it. Like, they cannot do it. It's impossible for them. You know, like, they can't just do right. I don't know what it is. They always, they just screw it up for themselves. You know, and winning 47 and 43 games, Like, that's a lot of games, you know, to win. And it's just, they just fuck it up. And they just embarrass themselves every time. As much as I'm a fan of this Florida State baseball team, it's just, we have to talk about it. It's just, it's something we have to talk about. We can't just ignore it, you know what I'm saying? We can't live under this cloak of ignorance, you know. But anyway, let me stop with the Florida State slander. Um, Lindor made the right decision. By signing for $3 million and going to play in the minor leagues for the Cleveland Indians. Because if Lindor were to play for the Florida State Seminoles, he would lose a lot of heartbreaking games. A lot of heartbreaking games that would be on the caliber of that 2016 World Series. If he went to Florida State, that would happen about three times. Yeah, I don't know what else to tell. I mean, it, it would have been 2016 three freaking times. And I know Lindor does not like to lose. I know he was hurt after the 2016 World Series. And, you know, if he went to Florida State, it would be the same thing. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to tell you. It would be the same freaking thing. So it was a good thing. It was a very good thing that this man decided to sign for $3 million. It's just... He would be disappointed. The thing with it is like Lindor could not fix Florida State. Florida State has a deeper issue, which I will definitely, I cannot wait to like, I'll probably write an article about it, but 
the Florida State baseball team is just one of those teams where it's like you really have to go in and you have to analyze it and you see a pattern. You just see an absolute pattern. I don't want to get into it because I don't want to let in more than like I want to, but like I want to go into detail, but I mean there is definitely a culture at that baseball program that has prohibited them from winning a championship and that's just all I have to say about that. Oh. And look who we have next. Actually, somebody that I mentioned. We have Cody Bellinger, World Series champion this year. Um, Yay. I mean, like, ugh. I wanted the Dodgers to win a World Series. They should have won one in 2017. I feel like they had the opportunity to win one in 2019. I don't know what happened. But they had the opportunity to win one in 2019, and um, they won one in 2020 at the expense of my baby Rays. And watching them celebrate on the field was not fun. And, you know, this is their first championship since, I think, 1988, so definitely celebrate however much you know that you want I want them to ride this success but I'm telling you it freaking hurts it hurts now were the Rays gonna win the World Series World Series absolutely not we were not gonna win that but I will sit here and say that it just sucks it freaking sucks it sucks Still, when you lose like it still hurts all right no matter how small of a chance you had it's it still hurts, all right? So, congrats, Belly, but, like, I don't like it. <laughs> but anyway, um, Cody Bellinger, before he became a star for the Los Angeles Dodgers, he was committed to the University of Oregon. Out of all the colleges in college baseball. Because I see him being a power five dude. I don't see him going to some small, mid, say small, but I don't see him going to some mid-major school in California or something. I see him going D1 power five out of state. But Oregon? Like you literally, I just, Oregon? I can't. Because, I mean, Oregon has never stood out as, like, a college baseball, like, team. They've always been a track team to me. Because if you know, University of Oregon has one of the best track and field and cross-country programs in the country. As of late, you know. And I just never saw Cody Bellinger in the green and yellow. It's just weird. Like, I just have to know. Like, I just have to. I said that before but I have to ask Cody Cody Bellinger what was going through his mind when he was like you know what (sighs) let's commit to Oregon like no (sighs) absolutely not Oregon of all schools I can't Oregon State Corvallis two-time back-to-back College World Series champions in 2006 and 2007. They were three hours away. 
they were right next door and you were like, you know what? Yellow and green. I have to ask that question. I have to. Was it random? Because it sounds random to me. Maybe he had a personal relationship with the coach and like he knew him or something like that. That's my best observation is that he had a personal relationship and they've been talking for a long time. And he was like, you know what? Good deal. I'm going to commit there. Now, obviously, does his commitment mean anything? No. Because he went to the majors, but still, it's just, it's weird. Anyway, Cody Bellinger was drafted in the fourth round of the 2013 draft, like I said, by the Dodgers, and he signed for $700,000. That's a lot of money, and guys, I think that's guaranteed. Now, I know Major League Baseball contracts are, like, guaranteed, but I think those are, too. I think no matter what, you get $700,000. Now, you don't get that up front. I don't think you get that up front. I'm not sure. I think you still get paid in installments because I think that's, like, a rookie deal. Yeah, that's a rookie deal. But um, and you get that over a period of years, so it's not all that up front. But, um... I'm going to have to look that up. I don't even know why I'm talking. I'm talking out of my ass right now because I didn't do any research on that. But we'll figure it out. So, Belly would have went to the University of Oregon from 2014 to 2016. In 2014, the Oregon Ducks went 44-20. and They lost in the Nashville Regional to the eventual champions Vanderbilt. And let me tell you something about the 2014 NCAA tournament out of the eight national seeds only one made it to Omaha only one and I think that one was Virginia but out of the all eight national seeds only one made it to Omaha one made it to a super regional but the other six didn't even make it out of their own regional like the one I was talking about, what was I talking about? Florida State in 2014, that 2014 season that um, Lindor would have been a junior, I believe. If he wouldn't have been a junior, he probably would have been out of there or a sophomore. Like, they, they you know, one of those two seasons where they were swept out of their own region. Yeah. That was 2014. The 2014 NCAA tournament was a mess. And now that I know that... We have to talk about it. Like, there's no there's no way around it. We have to because that is like Vandy, Vandy. I think that was when they won their first College World Series championship. We have to talk about that. I'm sorry. We have to talk about that because it was, it was messy. That's what I heard. Messy. Anyway, in 2015, the Ducks went 38 and 25 and they went 1 and 2 in the Springfield Regional. Now, the smart idea would have been to remember what the Springfield Regional was, but I don't remember what it was. Because the only thing I can think of is Springfield, Illinois, and I know damn well, I don't even think, I don't even know there was a college in um, Springfield. You know what? I'm going to look that up really quick. Hold on. Guys, I found it. Okay, so Missouri State actually hosted a regional. If you ask me what the Missouri State's mascot was, I could not tell you. But that's the regional that Oregon lost in 2015. 
And then, and then, and then, and then, in 2016, they went 29 and 26. And let me tell you guys, if you have a rec- if you have not won 30 games, you're not going to the NCAA tournament unless you are a mid-major school or you're like a MEAC team where like you win your conference and then you get in. I cannot tell you how many times that I've seen atrocious records from like Bethune, Cookman, or FAMU or Southern where they have had a losing record and they still get into a regional. I think it's only fair because it's like, I think it's fair, but like still, you know, like in if you're a Power 5 team and you did not win 30 games, don't expect to be invited to the NCAA tournament because at-large bids are really, like, they're difficult to get a spot in. And if you don't have 30 wins, don't even think about it. There are people who have had 33 and 34 wins, like 2018 Kentucky, who still weren't invited to the tournament. Like, it's very cutthroat. I'll just sit there and say that straight up. But... Basically, they missed everything. Oregon needed Cody Bellinger, but obviously Cody Bellinger did not need the University of Oregon. I think in 2016, Cody probably could have led Oregon to a playoff berth, but I think that's it. He could have, at the most part, slowed their decline because this is a decline. You know, regional, regional, and then missing everything is definitely a steep decline. He could have slowed it, but I don't think he could have done anything more than that than just slowed it. At that point, like, it was just, you can't do really much else because, you know, baseball is a team sport and it's a team sport. But anyway, Oregon, out of all teams, I would definitely put him, like, at Oregon State just because those orange and black jerseys do so much justice to like guys with dark brown hair like almost black dark brown hair like Cody has like they do those boys so much freaking justice it's not even funny those orange and black jerseys at Corvallis they do them so much justice so so much justice okay so much justice Guys, I'm going to try to get through this last one. A last one because I'm approaching my deadline. All right, so we have Jack Flaherty committed to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And as you guys know, he did not sign with UNC. He actually was drafted in the first round of the 2014 draft by the St. Louis Cardinals for two million dollars if you guys don't know that's a lot of money and you're gonna see this um it's a pattern of good pitchers in high school committing to UNC you're gonna see them being committed to UCLA and you know they're just deciding not to go basically the Tar Heels went 34 and 24 in 2015 yeah, 2015, if you hear the paper, it's my notes. But they went 34-24 and 24 in 2015, and they lost in pool play in the ACC tournament. I'm going to sit here and say this right now. Pool play in the ACC tournament is the dumbest thing in the entire world. It is so freaking stupid. I don't know how to tell you guys. It's so stupid. Like, it's dumb. 
It is the dumbest way to play a conference tournament ever. And as far as I'm concerned, the ACC is the only conference that does this fucking bullshit. They're the only conference in college baseball that does pool play. Because it's stupid. With the SEC, you have you have the opening round, but then you have like the leaders of each division, like the Eastern and um, Western division of the SEC, like they get like a bye, so they don't have to play in that. And then the teams that advance have double elimination until it turns into single elimination. But in the ACC, they have um, these teams and not everybody from the ACC makes the tournament. Same thing like with the SEC tournament. I think only like three teams are left out, three or two. But um, they put these teams in pools of like three teams and whoever has the best record moves on to a double elimination tournament. Like how fucking stupid is that? Like that it's dumb. Like I don't know what else to tell you it's freaking stupid because there is a chance that you can have two teams that have the same record and then they just turn around and they go okay well who had the better conference record and then the one with the better conference record moves on like then what's the point of having pool play like the big 12 they do it it's double elimination right the pac-12 doesn't even have a tournament you know the sec does it their way which i think is the most effective but then you have the ACC just doing their own thing. And I just, I don't understand. Because if you guys, like, know, like, the last team, the last ACC team to, like, win the College World Series is was Virginia in 2015. And before that, an ACC team had not won since, like, the 1950s or something. So I think this is the baseball gods, like, reign of terror on the ACC for having the literal dumbest conference tournament setup in the history of college baseball like period I don't think they did pool play back in the 80s or back in the 90s I'm not sure but maybe it's when they added a bunch of those teams because if you know Florida State was not in the ACC they were in the metro for most of the 80s I think into the early 90s but Regardless to say, I mean, it's pretty fucking stupid. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's stupid. We're going to run over because I really do want to keep talking about Jack Flaherty. But um, like I said, stupid. The Tar Heels went 34-21 and 21 in 2016. They missed everything. I don't even think they made it to... I say I don't even think. I know. They didn't even make pool play in the ACC tournament and if you're asking how the hell do you have 34 wins and you don't miss I mean and you miss the ACC tournament and their terrible pool play like I can't tell you I don't know like I don't know how you miss it and you have a 34 and 21 record but they missed everything all right and then in 2017 they went 49 and 14 so like a steep a well, I say a steep, it's like a steep incline from their past previous two seasons. They went 49 and 14, and then they choked in their own regional against Drumbo Police Davidson. The only reason, well, 
yeah, uh, the only reason I know Davidson is like I'm pretty sure that's the um college that Steph Curry played at. But if that's not it, then I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Davidson. I'm pretty sure it's that. I don't think it's Dayton. I think it's Davidson. But I mean, that's embarrassing. That's fucking embarrassing. They choked in their own regional against Davidson. Like, I understand the NCAA tournament, anything can happen. But, like, you're North Carolina. You're North Carolina. Like, do something. Like, is that's not good. That's not good you choking your own regional against Davidson. Like, ew. No. All right. Anyway. The University of North Carolina was hurting. I know they were hurting, and I, they were hurting because they were probably gunning for Jack Flaherty. You know, Jack Flaherty, I mean, he was a teammate with Lucas Giolito and Max Freed, and they, I mean, and you see what they're doing now in the MLB? Lucas Giolito just threw a no-hitter. Max Freed went to the NLCS. Flaherty went to the NLDS. Like, that team that they had in high school, I mean, it was shut down. I mean, they had the best pitchers in the country. And UNC was probably gunning for Jack Flaherty. And Flaherty was like, nah, I'd rather sign for $2 million. And I just know UNC was hurt. I know they were dead set about having Flaherty come onto their program, come to Chapel Hill to pitch for them. I know it. There's no way. Because they needed this kid bad. And now they're trying to work around, okay, Jack Flaherty has just signed his major league contract. How are we going to work around him? But the thing about it is, like, you guys had months to prepare for this. Like, nine months. Like, you knew he was one of the best pitchers in the country. And that if he was taken in the first round or, like, any round, he probably would have signed with a major league team. And I just feel like they had time to work that out and they just didn't. And, like, that's why you had 2015 in 2016 but at the end of the day shit happens I guess um but yeah they UNC needed Jack Flaherty I don't know what else to say he would have done wonders for their rotations and they were lacking without him I already said that a million times but they were but the thing about it was that Jack Flaherty probably was more inclined to signing with the major league team was Probably because he was getting $2 million. And then two, if you guys know, Flaherty's from California and North Carolina is like on the East Coast. And that's, I mean, the entire country. That's like 3,000 miles away. And it's just somebody could easily get homesick. And that's basically what happened. (laughs) I mean, that's probably what would have happened. He was probably thinking about it as like, nah, you know, like that's way too far. Like, UNC is a great, like, program, but it's just, it's too far. And I totally understand that, and I get that. And for UNC fans that learned that Jack Flaherty was committed there once and you guys are mad at him, it's like, guys, like, California to UNC is a very long distance. But that's basically, you know, that. But, I mean, Jack Flaherty is fine. Like, he is a fine man, you know what I'm saying? So he would have looked smack Smexy in that baby blue and white jerseys. And y'all know he would have looked good. He would have looked good in that jersey. He would have looked good. 
he would have looked very freaking good. He would have looked amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, guys, those were three more players that were committed to certain colleges and they ended up going to the draft. I had a great time talking about some of these guys. This is my favorite. I love talking about I love it. I love it. You know, it's like thinking about it and like analyzing it. And it's like, okay, what could they have done to improve this team, make the team better? Could they have really changed the projection, the perception of these teams? Or could they have done anything? I don't know. Literally just talking out of my ass right now. But um, basically, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, I mean... It's pretty good. Like, I just, I love talking about it. I love talking about baseball. Love it. Love it. Love talking about MLB players that could have went to college, but then said, ah, oh, skirt, and, you know, didn't. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to the third episode of the podcast. Like I said before, I'm super sorry for not <laughs> posting an episode in, like, two weeks, but this is my gift to you two, you two all. This is my gift to you all. Episode 2 and episode 3, back-to-back episodes. Binge listen to these podcasts if you want. Save one for one week and save one for the next. But, I mean, next week I'm going to have another podcast. So you might as well just watch the two of them and then just be ready for my next one next Monday. And I guess that's all I have to say. Follow me on The Rubber Match and... On Instagram at the Rubber Match and check out my article on Kentucky baseball. You can find it at therubbermatch.com. Go to articles, scroll all the way down, and you will find it. It is super long. I will not sit here and say that it's not. It is incredibly long, but I poured my heart and soul into that article. So it would do me a great favor if you just sat there and you read it for about 10 to 15 minutes because that's how long it'll take you to listen to the pod I mean listen to the podcast it's going to take you 45 minutes an hour and a half to listen to both of these but it'll take you about 15 minutes to read the article but anyway I will catch you guys on the next one I will see you guys later bye bye here we go let me just